0: and turn with me to Isaiah chapter 40 as uh, we think about the Christmas story. And every year as as I read the Christmas story in Luke, uh, I'm always amazed and uh, there are some words that catch my attention. And uh, one of those is uh, marveled. Uh, You know that um, uh, the word marvel and marveled, uh, the idea that uh, Mary pondered the things in her heart uh, that, uh, when, uh, John the Baptist's uh, father was struck deaf, uh, excuse me, dumb, uh, he couldn't speak. And, uh, when the time came to name his child, uh, he said it was going to be John and, uh, the people there marveled. And, uh, I think of that word and I, uh, am going to emphasize that word tonight. And, uh, I looked it up, um, And the word marvel means to wonder, to be astonished. And then I looked up the word wonder and the word astonished to get more understanding of it. You know, it's interesting when you study the Bible, you study a bunch of words and it just keeps going on and on and on and on. And uh, here, uh, when you look up the word wonder, uh, it has the idea of marvel, has the idea of admiring, uh, feel surprised, To be amazed, to stare, hold one's breath, and to be taken aback. And uh, so when we see that word in our study tonight, uh, we could apply any one of those words to the word wonder. And then to be astonished is another one. I really like this one that uh, has a really good word in here about halfway through that uh, I use once in a while. And I'm sure... Uh, older people use this word. I haven't heard any young people use this word. But uh, to be astonished has the idea of surprise, amazed, astounded, dumbfounded, startled, uh, to be dazzled, um, to be confounded, to be bewildered, and to be flabbergasted. There you go. That's the word I like, the flabbergasted that It's the idea that uh, you're so astonished, you're flabbergasted, Uh, you're beyond words, you can't imagine what to say. Uh, You're fascinated, uh, you're taken away, uh, your breath is taken away, uh, and uh, you're struck dumb. Uh, So as we think about the Christmas story, and throughout the Christmas story, uh, marveling is taking place throughout the Christmas story. Uh, in the Bible, uh, it's said about the reaction to Jesus. People marveled at what he did and marveled at who he was. And uh, so, as we look at our everyday lives, uh, we should be marveling in what the Lord has done for us. And uh, it's not just at Christmas time we should be marveling about the birth of our Savior, but uh, the impact of that birth, the effect of that birth. Uh, we should be marveling every day of our life. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your love. We thank you for our Savior. Help us, Lord, to uh, not just have a head knowledge of him, but uh, we'd have a heart knowledge that would respond out of joy and uh, compassion that uh, you have shown us that we would desire to serve you because we love you. Lord, I pray you'll bless our study tonight. In Jesus' name, Amen. So our story, as we look at the story of the uh, the Christmas story, the first thing that comes about in the book of Luke is the story of uh, John the Baptist's birth. And uh, when you think of John the Baptist coming, uh, the story and the events leading up to the birth of the Savior, uh, Luke is very thorough in his descriptions. And uh, my wife and I read the, the book of Luke in December Uh, And each day, there's 24 chapters, so it gets us right up to Christmas Eve. And uh, when uh, each of these chapters are pretty long, so I always tell her, I've reminded her that Luke is a doctor, and I'm sure he was a talker also. And uh, so here in Luke chapter 1, it gives us a lot of description, a lot of information. And uh, uh, Isaiah chapter 40 and verse number 3 is a prophecy ...that the Jews were hanging on to. And I'm going to read the first three verses of Isaiah as uh, we look at this. this is really going to come out in uh, the uh, story of John the Baptist's birth and his ministry. Uh, here in John, Isaiah chapter 40 it says, "...Comfort ye, comfort ye my people, saith the Lord." And uh, that word there, comfort, has the idea of uh, comforting your hearts. That uh, the innermost being of yourself, to be comforted, to know God's going to take care of you. Relax and comfort yourself in God. He says here, speak ye comfortably to Jerusalem, and cry unto her, that her warfare is accomplished, that her iniquity is pardoned. For she hath received of the the Lord's hand double for uh, all her sins. And uh, the nation of israel was in captivity at this time and uh, this is predicting the delivery of them out of captivity and the rebuilding of jerusalem and uh, that uh, it's it's good news to these people and it goes on and it says in verse 3 the voice of him that crieth in the wilderness prepare ye the way of the lord make straight in the desert a highway for our god and so here is uh, a proclamation that uh, there is going to be one that's going to be crying in the wilderness. And it's a picture of uh, in, the, in those days when a royal emb- ambassage comes to some place, they send somebody ahead of the, uh, of the royal person that's coming... And makes everything clear. They're clearing the road. They're curing people out of the way. They're clearing the vegetation out of the way. So the road is nice and smooth for them as they come. And uh, the picture here is the coming of the Messiah. And that there will be a voice crying in the wilderness. And it's going to prepare the way for the Lord. For the king of Israel. And so they were looking for this king. And... uh, uh, here in uh, Luke chapter 1 as we start the Christmas story and look at uh, what Dr. Luke says about the uh, uh, at the beginning of the Christmas story, he brings out the birth of John the Baptist, uh, Zacharias being the father of John the Baptist. Uh, he uh, is the fulfillment, John the Baptist is the fulfillment of uh, this one who is crying in the wilderness. In fact, in John chapter 1 Verse number 23, let me uh, read that to you real quick. In Luke chapter, John chapter one, verse 23, John is introduced in the beginning of the book of John. Remember, John is the book that tells us that in the beginning was the word and the word was with God. Uh, and uh, it describes uh, how that Jesus is the word. But uh, John the Baptist is introduced in verse 23 and uh, it tells us that um, uh, here that uh, uh, John the Baptist is that one that is sent. And so in verse number 22, uh, then, then said they unto him, Who art thou? It's talking about John the Baptist. Let me get up here in verse number 19. Uh, and this is the record of John. When the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who art thou? So here is John the Baptist in his ministry Uh, He has been born, he is now in his ministry, and he's he's causing quite a ruckus. Uh, People are coming to him, they're being baptized, and the Jews' leaders come to him and say, Hey, who are you? And uh, he says, uh, and he confessed, and and denied not, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, Who art thou then? Art thou Elias? That's the word for Elijah. They thought Elijah was going to be that one that was going to come back from the dead and proclaim the way of the Lord, uh, they said, are you Elijah? He, sa- he saith, I'm not. Art thou that prophet? And uh, that prophet is the one that's described in Isaiah chapter 3 that they're waiting for, that prophet. Uh, that one that uh, in Deuteronomy, Moses said there would be one ra- raised up from among you that would be your prophet that's going to deliver you. And he says, are, is that the prophet? And that is the Messiah who is the prophet. And he says, no, I'm not the prophet. And then they said unto him, who art thou that we may give an answer unto them that sent thee? What sayest thou of thyself? He said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as said the prophet Isaiah. And so here, uh, John the Baptist's birth is being described for us. Uh, His father, Zacharias, is the first one that's mentioned. And uh, he is going to be... Uh, uh, describing the miraculous birth, the miraculous provision that God provided uh, John the Baptist to be that one that was going to go before the Lord. And Luke chapter 1, verse number 13, uh, talks about Zacharias, uh, the angel. It says that the angel came unto, unto him, Zacharias. Fear not, Zacharias, for thy prayer is heard and thy wife Elizabeth shall bear a son and thou shalt call his name John. And here is Zacharias, he's old now, his wife is old, they're beyond their childbearing uh, years, and uh, God is going to miraculously provide him a son, and his prayer is answered. In verse number 18, uh, Zacharias responds to the fact that the angel said, hey, you're going to have a son. Uh, he, He tells him, uh, in verse number uh, 17, And he shall go before him in the spirit of power of Elias to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And Zachariah said unto him, Whereby shall I know this? How shall I know this? For I am old man, and my wife well stricken in years. And as you read that, you look at, think of in your mind what his expression was. Think of how he reacted. I believe he was uh, definitely astonished. I think that maybe we could say he was flabbergasted as he heard this message from God's angel, from Gabriel, that, hey, you're going to have a son. And uh, because he didn't believe, uh, he was, the angel said, you're not going to talk until that baby is born And so here, Zacharias demonstrates some astonishment for us. And then in verse number 21, uh, as uh, there were people outside, Zacharias at this time was inside the the, uh, sanctuary performing his priestly duties. And obviously, it didn't take very long to do that. But in this case, he was in there for quite a while. And verse 21 tells us that the people waited for Zacharias and marveled that he tarried so long in the temple. And so here are the people waiting for him. And they're marveling. They're saying, hey, what is going on? What, what, what is Zacharias doing in there? Something has happened. Something is going on. And uh, so he comes out and uh, he explains. He doesn't explain because he can't talk. And uh, he calls for some paper to write on. And uh, he tells them that uh, he uh, uh, has been basically, an angel has been speaking to him. And uh, it's interesting that um, the people that are there who are uh, astonished at what's going on, they're marveling at what's going on that took so long. Uh, They um, are waiting for an answer, but he comes out and uh, uh, he uh, came out and could not speak unto them. And they perceived that he had seen a vision in the temple, for he beckoned unto them and, re, and remained speechless. And so here is uh, the beginning of the Christmas story. Uh, Zacharias is going to have a son. Uh, that son is going to be the, the one that proclaims the way of the Lord. And uh, in the meantime, uh, Gabriel ha- has been to uh, see Mary. And Mary has accepted God's will and said, Lord, whatever you want, I will do. And uh, so here uh, the narrative goes on and tells us about Mary and about Gabriel coming to him, to her, excuse me. And uh, then it tells us that uh, Mary uh, is going to go see Elizabeth. As Elizabeth is going to have a baby, uh, miraculously going to provide, the Lord has miraculously provided uh, this baby boy uh, for God can do the impossible And uh, so here Mary goes to visit Elizabeth. Elizabeth is pregnant. And uh, Elizabeth, uh, you know the passage in the scripture here, that uh, uh, verse number 42, that as uh, Mary comes to Elizabeth and uh, Elizabeth uh, cries out, uh, she spake out with a loud voice and said, blessed art thou among women and blessed is the fruit of thy womb. And whence is this to me that the mother of my Lord should come unto me. And uh, lo, as soon as the voice of thy salutation sounded in mine ears, the babe leaped in the womb for joy. Uh, I wonder if the baby was astonished, was amazed uh, that, hey, here comes uh, my Lord. Here comes the one I'm going to prepare the way for. Uh, I, I don't know what that baby was thinking of, but uh, it leaped in her womb, a sign to Elizabeth Uh, Of the verification that, hey, Mary was carrying this, the Savior. And uh, it's interesting that Mary uh, expresses her astonishment as uh, she comes to uh, visit Elizabeth. And uh, in uh, the passage, uh, in Luke chapter 1, verses 46 to 55. I'm not going to read it all, but uh, she really exp- expresses her uh, astonishment uh, about to the fact and, and marvels in her response to the Lord that she, what the Lord has done to her. Uh, and uh, uh, let me read a little bit of that because it's uh, and Mary is magnifying the Lord and starting in verse number 46. As she's coming to visit Elizabeth. And Elizabeth shouts out this greeting. uh, Mary responds with, uh, uh, my my soul doth magnify the Lord. Uh, She is uh, so enamored with the Lord. She's going to worship him and uh, reflect for us how she is marveling in what God has done for her. Uh, You know that uh, the Lord has done so much for us. Uh, We should be willing to be marveling in what he's done for us and be ready to give an answer for the hope that's in us. And here is Mary giving an answer to Elizabeth. Uh, she says to her, My soul doth magnify the Lord, and my spirit hath rejoiced in God, my Savior, for he hath regarded the low estate of his handmaiden. And behold, from henceforth, all generations shall call me blessed. And she goes on and talks about God's mercy and about God's love and uh, how that she is responding to what the Lord is doing and going to make her part of in bringing the Savior into the world. And then um, in uh, Luke chapter 1 in verse number 63, this is the continuation of the story. uh, That uh, that, uh, uh, little greeting, that uh, little uh, space of time that uh, Mary went to see Elizabeth is kind of like a parenthesis between Uh, this uh, story of the birth of John the Baptist. And now the story continues. And uh, uh, it's about time to to name the baby. The baby has been born. John the Baptist has been born. And the baby needs to be named. And uh, the wife tells everybody there, hey, his name's going to be John. And they said, no, it's not possible to be John. Uh, Your family's not, there's nobody in your family named John. You can't name him John. And uh, then the Lord opens the mouth of, of, of Zacharias and uh, um, he asked for a writing table in verse 63 and wrote saying his name is John and they marveled all. So here they are. They're marveling. They are standing there. Uh, The the tradition is to name your your boys after the father, uh, at least after the grandfather or a family name. And here's a name out of the blue, according to all the rest of the people there. But the angel Gabriel told him, hey, you're going to name him John. And uh, he says, his name's going to be John. And his voice came back. And he starts praising the Lord. And uh, uh, it's marvelous uh, as they marvel And uh, remember what marvel means. It has the idea to wonder, to be astonished. They're astonished. They're amazed at the fact that his name is going to be John. And uh, they expressed, uh, the uh, people expressed their their, uh, reaction to it in uh, marveling in verse 65 and 66. And fear came on all that dwelt around about them. And and all all these sayings were noised abroad throughout all the hill country of Judea. And all they that heard them laid up these things in their hearts saying, what manner of child shall this be? And the hand of the Lord was with him. And so here, uh, Zacharias uh, responds inappropriately. The Lord shuts his mouth, so to speak. And then when uh, the time comes to name the child, uh, he names him John. Uh, the Lord opens his uh, voice box and uh, he is uh, rejoicing in the fact that God is working, is going to provide a light to the Gentiles, and uh, that uh, he is so happy uh, that his son is going to be named John. And the story, the narrative goes on. We're very familiar with this. And now uh, the announcement of the birth uh, of our Savior. Again, the word marvel, uh, the, the idea of wonder is very present and prevalent in this story as well as we think about the shepherds in chapter 2 of Luke as, as Dr. Luke gives us the explanation and the uh, scenario of the uh, birth of our Savior. That uh, here in Luke chapter two, verse number nine, uh, the shepherds were sore afraid, as it tells us, that the angel of the Lord uh, came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. Uh, they fell down on their face, and uh, it tells us that uh, um, they were they were to go to uh, this babe that's in uh, a manger, uh, wrapped in swaddling clothes, and uh, they were afraid. Uh, they they decided. To go see what the angels had said, and in Luke chapter two verse seventeen, uh, their response to the angels uh, produced some action. In uh, verse number seventeen, and when they had seen it, uh, that is the the savior, uh, they responded to the angel. They went to the uh, to the manger, saw the baby, and uh, uh, their wonder and astonishment was reflected in how they reacted. And that is in number verse 17. When they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And so here the shepherds have come. The shepherds have responded to the message. And uh, they have come to see the Savior. And... Uh, uh, Mary ponders these things in her heart as these shepherds come out of nowhere. Uh, she has just had the baby. Uh, she is tired from her long journey. She's sitting in the uh, in the ma- near the manger. Uh, she's sitting in straw, laying down, probably resting after the birth of her first child. And here comes these unknown strangers to her uh, to the uh, cave where they were at in, uh, and and she's amazed. I'm sure. Uh, as these shepherds tell her that the angels have declared that uh, the, the, there is good news. Their Savior is born. And here she is pondering it in her heart. And uh, uh, the shepherds who were afraid of these angels, uh, they came to the, to the manger. And uh, uh, there in chapter 2, verse number 18, they went out and told everybody. What the angels had told them. They told them about this this baby in the manger, who is the Savior of the world. And Mary is pondering it in her heart. And uh, it's a marvelous thing that they're hearing. And uh, could it be true? Could this, as she ponders it in her heart, as all these people that have heard the message, as they uh, consider, as they wonder about those things that were told them by the shepherds, could it be true? A Savior has been born. Uh, they're amazed. They're astonished. Uh, it is something that uh, uh, probably took their breath away to imagine that the Savior of the world is here, uh, born in their day, come to save them individually, each one of them. And uh, can you imagine the amazement of the shepherds as these lowly shepherds, these nobodies <laughs> sitting out in the field, uh, they were not rich, they were not famous. And here is the angel of the Lord appearing to them, and they hear the angels uh, in a chorus, not singing, but saying about their wonderful Savior and the God that has provided the Savior uh, what they must have, how astonished they must have been when they got their wits about themselves and went to see the baby. And then they saw it. And they responded and they said, hey, I gotta, we got to tell everybody. we got to go. And they went all over telling everybody. And people wondered and pondered and said, hey, is this true? Is there really a Savior? Is it really God working in our day in this present time? And uh, can it really be true? They wondered about what the shepherds had told them. Then Mary, she kept it and pondered it in her heart. Uh, is this the fulfillment of the angel's words? It obviously is. And uh, then, eight days later, Mary and Joseph go to uh, dedicate the baby in the temple. Uh, After eight days, he's to be circumcised, and they go in there. And here is this old man that comes up to them, Simeon, and picks up the baby. And uh, can you imagine the uh, startled new mother <laughs> when uh, that man, that old man, comes up and grabs that baby and starts proclaiming uh, that this is the basically that this is the savior of the world? And uh, Simeon, in chapter two, starting in verse number twenty-five, announces, "And behold, there is a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon." And the same uh, man was just and devout, waiting for the completion consolation of Israel. He's waiting for the savior. And uh, the Holy Ghost was upon him and it, and it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he should see the Lord's Christ. And he came by the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child, Jesus, to do him after the custom of the law, then took he, um, him up in his arms and blessed him and said, Lord, now let us thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. And so here is this astonished mother who has just been uh, uh, visited by these shepherds. And now, eight days later, uh, goes into the temple and this man grabs up her baby and uh, uh, describes that, uh, Lord, now I can die. Uh, I see the salvation of Israel. And he goes on, he says, for mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people, a light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of the people Israel. And here's the response of Joseph and Mary. Remember there's wonder, there's marvel. There's astonishment in this story. and here in jo- Joseph in verse 33, and Joseph and Mary and Mary, Joseph and his, and his mother uh, marveled at those things which were spoken of him. They marveled. Could it be true? Uh, could it be true that this little baby was the light to the Gentiles and the glory of the people of Israel? You know, the nation of Israel was waiting for a savior. They were waiting for a worldly leader. The Jews were waiting for that Prince of Peace that would rule the world in in their stead. Uh, That he would uh, uh, be uh, exalted. He would exalt their nation to rule the world. They would defeat the Romans. They would establish Jerusalem as the center. Of or capital of the world and have an eternal king on the throne of David to rule and reign forever, a king uh, that was to rule the Gentiles. And it's interesting that uh, Simeon says here the first thing he says it's a light to light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of Israel. So here, uh, could it be uh, this Savior has come for the Gentiles? I thought he was coming for the Jews. Is he coming for the Gentiles or the Jews? And so here is Mary and Joseph. They're marveled at what Simeon has said. Could it be true that this Savior was come to the Gentiles and to the Jews? Uh, That was the astonishing thing about all that we um, uh, are are looking at here. Is that uh, uh, this is uh, an astonishment to the Jewish nation. uh, That God's plan And uh, it's not just for the Jewish nation. Uh, And the marvelous thing about this whole story is that it is not just for the Jews, it's for the Gentiles also. We are beneficiaries of God's plan. Uh, Jesus uh, is their king. Uh, He has become our king. Jesus, their savior, has become our savior. And we should be... Uh, Filled with great wonder to be marveling that God would allow us Gentiles to partake of his plan in being blessed as the nation of Israel. To have a savior that the nation of Israel was waiting for uh, at this time of the year. And uh, throughout the entire year we should be astonished. We should be marveling that God has allowed us into his kingdom Uh, that we can have the good news that it is for us, uh, that we Gentiles uh, can be saved by the Savior who will one day be king, physically ruling and reigning forever. And the marvelous thing is that he said we're going to rule and reign with him, which is amazing, Uh, something to ponder and think about and wonder and think about. And uh, we are included for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Uh, one of the first things recorded in the book of John uh, of what Jesus did in his journey in his ministry was when he went and reached out to an outcast of the Jews, a Samaritan. In John chapter number ten, uh, he says to the woman at the well, he says, If thou knowest, if thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that saith to thee, give me to drink. Thou would have have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. But whoso, in verse 14, says, Whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst, but the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water, springing up into everlasting life. And so John, in the Gospel of John, uh, records uh, seven miracles he records many things that Jesus did but his goal was, uh, is uh, told to us in John chapter uh, uh, 20 verse 30 and 31 where it tells us that uh, these things are written that you may know that you have eternal life. That you may know uh, that uh, you can be saved and that's Jesus' goal to save the world not just the Jews. And Romans 10, 12 and 13 uh, includes whosoever will. Uh, and so Mary, Simeon announces to her that this Savior is come to be a light to the Gentiles. We can be rejoicing that we have been given that light. Uh, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And uh, uh, he says in that same passage in, in John uh, Romans chapter 10, uh, there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek or the Gentile. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And so as we think about our salvation, we think about the Christmas season, this time of year. There is one very good biblical uh, story that relays to us God's physical redemption of the nation of Israel that points to our spiritual redemption as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, Exodus chapter 15. Uh, I, I'm, I'm going to hit that some, some points in Exodus 15 and I'll be all finished. Uh, but it is a record of uh, the delivery of the nation of Israel out of Egypt. And Exodus 15 is right when the nation of Israel has gone through the Red Sea. They have... Uh, Defeated, God has defeated uh, the Egyptian army. And uh, this is the response of uh, Moses as he expresses the marvel and the astonishment and the joy of the Lord delivering the nation out of bondage and uh, giving them the victory, Uh, the things that only God could accomplish. Uh, it's an amazing, astonish, astonishing, and glorious in our eyes as we look at this story. How you know the story of uh, uh, the Red Sea opening, the nation of Israel escaping on dry ground, and how that the uh, Egyptian army chases after them, and uh, the Lord closes the water over them. And uh, it's interesting if you've ever, <coughs> or excuse me, seen any of the uh, videos on uh, people who have done research on the uh, Red Sea. Uh, uh, You see Doc Shoemaker, he has the video. Uh, It's really amazing. Uh, They have uh, taken submarines down under where they believe the Red Sea, the the place where they went across on, and uh, there's evidence of of chariot wheels and things down there. So uh, the Lord uh, is uh, here uh, helping us to see Uh, How Moses reacted to what only God could do. And uh, it points to our spiritual deliverance. It it shows us their physical deliverance. Uh, And I'm just going to hit a few of these verses, some of the highlights of it. Uh, It goes from, uh, uh, excuse me, Exodus 15, um, verses uh, 1. Let me see here. Let me uh, get my notes quickly here. Uh, Exodus 15 verses 55 to through 57. Uh, he has uh, no. That's not it. That's that's not the proper reference. It's in Exodus chapter 15, starting in verse number one, and it goes uh, through to um, verse number 21. And so as we think about uh, some of the highlights of this, I'll start off at the very beginning of it real quick. Then sang Moses and the children of Israel this song unto the Lord and spake saying, I will sing unto the Lord for he hath triumphed gloriously. Uh, this is a, a response uh, demonstrating they're, they're, they're marveling, they're glorifying in the Lord. Uh, verse number one, uh, they say, uh, Moses says in his song, I will exalt him. Uh, uh, He is the one that is is, uh, preparing the way. He has become uh, my salvation. Uh, He has triumphed gloriously. Verse 1, the Lord has triumphed gloriously. Verse 2, the Lord is my strength and song. He's become my salvation. Uh, Moses reflects on what God has done. He says, I will prepare him a habitation. I will exalt him Uh, Verse number six says, The Lord has dashed in pieces the enemy. Uh, Verse 11, Who is like unto these glorious to thee, glorious in holiness, faithful in praises, doing wonders. Thou art mercy. Thou in mercy hast led forth the people which thou hast redeemed. Thou hast guided them in thy strength unto thy holy habitation. The Lord, in verse 18, shall reign forever and ever. And so Moses describes uh, his response for us of how he sees God in delivering them from physical bondage and defeating the enemy and delivering them and giving them freedom. Uh, And it points to our spiritual uh, deliverance as believers. And we should be marveling in this deliverance let me real quick give you some bible verses that go right along with every one of these little uh sentences that i read verse number one he triumphed gloriously uh ephesians chapter two verse one through five describes us before we're saved and it tells us that he has rescued us who are dead in our trespasses and sin second corinthians two fourteen tells us that that uh, we need to give thanks to god uh that uh, uh, thanks be unto God who always causeth us to triumph in Christ. So Moses in verse 1 says, God, you have triumphed gloriously. Uh, Paul in Ephesians chapter 2 says, God, you have triumphed gloriously. Delivered us from death. Delivered us from the punishment of sin. And given us a new life. Second Corinthians Uh, Paul reminds us that we are always triumphing in Christ. Verse 2, Moses said of the Lord, uh, he said, the Lord is my strength and song. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 tells us that it's not by our strength that uh, we're saved, uh, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. And he is the one that keeps us. He has become my salvation. Uh, Moses mentions that in verse number 2. Uh, Acts chapter 4 tells us in verse 12. Neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Uh, He is our salvation. Uh, We don't save ourselves. God does it. And Moses reminds us that uh, uh, in his praise of God he says I will prepare him a habitation. And the Lord uses his uh, apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. To remind us that we are the temple of the Holy Ghost. Uh, Moses said, I will prepare him a habitation because he's so good. I'm gonna give him a dwelling place. He's gonna dwell with me. And the Lord says, as believers, that to what? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, uh, which ye have of God, and you're not your own, for you're bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God. In your body and in your soul, which are God's, and so here, uh, as are responding, as we marvel in our salvation, uh, it should affect the way we live. It should affect our heart attitude towards life, and realize that hey, the Holy Spirit is dwelling in me. Uh, I'm not my own. I've been bought with a price. I need to live for Him, and that's what Moses is saying here. He's saying, oh man, God has delivered us out of this bondage. We need to live for Him. Give Him a place to dwell with us. And then he says, I will exalt him. I will rejoice in him. I will lift up his name because of how good he is. Philippians 4, 4, it reminds us, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. And if you read that passage, it's talking about our salvation, about the Lord Jesus Christ, that we should rejoice in what he's done for us. And then verse 6, Moses says, The Lord has dashed in pieces of the enemy. And 1 Corinthians 15, 55 to 57, a passage that reminds us that, Oh, um, uh, death, where's your sting? And the grave, where's your victory? Uh, God has given us the victory. And so as we think about the, uh, the wonder of this Christmas story, of how that the Lord has delivered us, how that we can point to that physical deliverance the nation of Israel experienced and point to our spiritual deliverance that's exactly uh, parallel to that physical delivery. Uh, The Lord has demonstrated great mercy on us and uh, we need to look to him because he says that uh, uh, as Moses Tells us in verse number 15, Thou in mercy hast led us hast led forth the people which thou hast redeemed. Thou hast guided them in thy strength unto thy holy habitation. And first Peter chapter number one, verses three through five reminds us because of Christ's resurrection, we have an inheritance that's undefiled, that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you as believers. And God keeps it for you. You don't keep it for yourself. And so here, as we think about this Christmas story, uh, Moses' song reflects what God has done for the nation of Israel. We in our daily lives need to reflect what God has done for us every single day, rejoicing in what he's done for us, uh, being willing to uh, sing that song out loud to tell others, hey, Jesus has changed my life. Jesus has uh, given me victory over sin and uh, I am on my way to heaven because of not what I've gotten, gotten done, but what Jesus has done for me. And uh, uh, as we think about this, uh, great song of Moses. It really is should be our song uh, reflecting our heart's attitude towards our Savior. He's been so good to us. Let's pray. Father thank you for your love. Thank you for uh, the redemption we have in Christ and Lord so much uh, uh, emphasis is on the cradle right now at Christmas time and on the birth of our Savior where, where it should be. Uh, but help us Lord to Uh, continue throughout the year to realize what we have in Christ and to uh, be willing to share it with those around us, uh, to allow it to impact our lives, to uh, help us to realize the peace and joy we have in you as we rely on you day by day. We thank you for your love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.